0: As part of uni fellowship, we're part of a larger movement called Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students and our mission across Australia and different campuses um, around the country, our mission is stated as in prayerful dependence on God, AFES proclaims Jesus Christ at university to present everyone mature in him by building student groups that evangelize, encourage, train, and send. Now as part of AFES, Uni Fellowship is committed to helping you mature in Him, equipping you in your faith, giving you opportunities to tell other people about Jesus, to invite them to become disciples of Jesus, and to teach them everything that Jesus commanded us to do. So, I hope that at the end of this seminar, this morning, that you feel that much more equipped to be able to do that. Now, a lot of people in your churches today actually don't feel equipped, don't feel confident to do that. Someone might tap them on the shoulder and say, would you like to lead this Bible study? Or we have a new Christian who's just joined our church. And would you like to catch up with them regularly to read the Bible and pray together? And for many in the church, there is a crippling anxiety and they say, Nope, I can't do that. (laughs) And it's not because they're too shy. And it's not because in their heart of hearts that they don't want to. But for many, it comes down to how could I possibly teach someone else the Bible when I don't quite understand it myself. (laughs) And that's fair enough, yeah? So today I hope to um, equip you and give you confidence in being able to understand the scriptures as you read it for yourself, but also as you begin to understand it for yourself, really catch the good news picture of the scriptures that God has given us, that you then feel the confidence to say, yep, I can do that, I can read the Bible with a new Christian, I can lead that Bible study, no problem. Now I'm not saying, there is no like guarantee, <sighs> sign on the dotted line, you'll all be leading a Bible study next week at your church, no worries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there, this, is, this is gonna help, yeah? And this is gonna help also with when you're reading the Bible in your groups and you're discussing how to apply it to your lives in your groups during mid-year conference. And so today I'm just going to start with a question that um, you're kind of neatly grouped together, but I might get um, Elsie, if you want to join Leia over here, that way you two can discuss. In your pairs, or in your threes, I want you to discuss and come up with an answer, um, what is the Bible about? And then we'll come back and share. What is the Bible about? Okay, we'll press pause on the conversation, and I'm going to point to the different groups I'd like for you to share and build on each other. Um, what your group discussed about what is the message of the Bible. So starting in the back group here. We said it was um, God's identity plan for his yep Yeah, you yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about Leia and Elsie? What did you guys discuss? Uh, we talked about how it... Is a document of history, but it's also God's word. Yeah. Yep, thank you. Up here in the front, Mikey and Wendy.
1: Andy said it's about a lot of things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what did Mikey say? Uh
1: Mikey said judgment uh and salvation for God's glory.
0: Yeah, nice. And then in the back
1: collection of prophecies and historical narratives about the time before, during and after Jesus.
0: Yeah, thank you. And here in the middle,
2: we said it uh, everything God wants us to know, and also the story of the big story of good news. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and, That's the s- <laughs> and
0: down here, this front group,
1: uh, we described it as an autobiography. But it's also a message about how we connect with God and uh, salvation.
0: And then, just here, um, like the way that God speaks to us through the Bible. Yep. And then, last group in the back. It's a complete guide on how to live a Christian life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the definition that I have written down, which encompasses a lot of what you said, is the Bible is a revelation of who God is and how He relates to people. Um, Let's hear from the Bible or God himself and how he describes himself. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34 chapter 6. And what's happening here is um, Moses is on the mountain and he's talking to God and God passes by him. And as he's passing by Moses, he says these words. Can someone read Exodus 34, verse 6 aloud? And I think verse 7 as well. Yes, Kevin. yes. The Atta Lord
2: you. passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And 7 as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation.
0: As you're contemplating, um, who you might share this good news story of the Bible with, it might be in reading one-to-one with a new Christian. It might be that you have friends that you went to youth group with, who perhaps at this point in their life has stopped going to church altogether and has chucked in the whole Christianity thing. And maybe for them, it was they just didn't get what the Bible was about. Or maybe they were deeply disappointed or deeply hurt by someone who was supposed to be living like Jesus, but wasn't. And if that's what Jesus is like, I want nothing to do with it. And so, as you're contemplating who you might share the good news story of the Bible with, um, you might have a friend who is reading the, the scripture through a particular lens. Now, if the Bible is about God and who he has revealed himself to be and how he relates to people, um, are they reading the scripture through the lens of the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin? (coughs) Or are they only focusing on the bit where God holds people accountable for their own guilt? Or are they holding the two of those together? Because you may know people who... When they think about God, when they think about the Bible, they think only a bit, the bit about how God punishes those who are guilty in sin. When Jonah, if you were here for our preseason conference, Jonah um, quotes this passage when he's gone to Nineveh and he's done what God finally, he's done what God wants him to do. And he quotes this very passage when he's done what he was supposed to do and he's outside the city of Nineveh and he is grumpy and angry with God because he didn't punish the people. And he says, if, um, if you want to look at it, Jonah chapter four, at the beginning of the chapter, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. So dramatic. (laughs) Um, But this... The psalmists and the prophets throughout the entire Old Testament quote or allude to this very description of God at least 27 times over and over again. Um, the Bible is about God, it's about who he is, it's about all the things that you said as well, and how he relates to people and how he loves his people, does not desire for them to be punished does not desire for them to continue in the consequences of their own sin. It's his rescue plan. Um, So, we're going to work through this visual today. Go ahead and on your paper, draw these four circles. And as you read the Bible and as you're meeting together one-on-one with a friend to show them who God is through his Bible. Um, This visual um, you can carry with you through the rest of your life um, to be able to get a clear picture of what is happening in God's scriptures. So in the first one, we're going to start here. We all live in this world, men and women. And how would you describe the world that we live in? Just think about headlines in the news. Um, oh, you guys don't read the newspaper. Nobody <laughs> reads the newspaper anymore. Any? think about the, the article titles in your news feed <laughs> <laughs> and what that tells us about the world around us. What is going on? What is the state of the world that we live in? What's happening? Yes, David. starting a new diet.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, that's that's Man, the need for <laughs> diets! Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Anybody else? Just think about this year alone. What's happening? Disease. Disease. Melbourne going into lockdown again? Again. Sydney going into lockdown.
1: A tower collapse in Miami. Mm.
0: Death. Were there deaths involved? What else? Conflict in the Middle East. Oh, you could just say that every day of the weekend every year, couldn't you? Yeah, conflict conflict in the Middle East. War, pestilence. This year in particular, we heard quite a bit about um, uh, violence against women that's been quite heavy in the news,
2: and like the whole um, Black Lives Matter movement as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, injustices, uh, um, racial the need for racial reconciliation. What else is happening?
2: Environmental
1: concern.
0: Yeah, environmental concerns. Um. So all of these are problematic. Um, are we, uh, okay with this? Is the world a perfect utopia that we're all happy to continue living in? With no changes whatsoever? (laughs) No, the world is, is, is not okay. And we're all living in it. And it's, it's, there's, there's a yearning in us that if the world is, is broken and it appears like it's not working as it should be, that's evidence that there has to be a solution out there. There has to be an answer to the problem. You can't just have a a question with no answer there has to be something out there and as humans our hearts are yearning for a solution and we find that in different ways we pursue um advocacy we pursue um uh, uh justice and and mercy in different ways we we join we create programs in order to find solutions to fix the world's problem and it's like it's like when my, my body is telling me that I need nourishment and nutrition. That is the signal that there is something out there in the world to fix that problem. There's bagels. (laughs) Bagels fixes the problem. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat some bagels. When my mouth is dry and my throat is dry, there has to be something out there to fix that problem. There's water. Water cures my thirst. And um, so we, there has to be a solution to the problem. And that's where Genesis 1 comes in. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1. And when you scan through Genesis 1, what is a word? that you see pop up over and over and over again? Good. Good. The environment, the land, the water, the sky. What was it? It was
2: good.
0: It was good. The animals, the fish, the birds of the air, what were they? Good. Man and woman, humans, what were they?
1: Good. good. were they? Very, very good. <laughs>
0: very good. The relationship between God and humans, how would you describe it?
2: Exceptional. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Beautiful. Good. Very good. Perfect. In the original creation, in the Garden of Eden, it was a perfect marriage of heaven and earth together. Men and women communing with God perfectly, communing with one another perfectly, both together, being made and fashioned in the image of God and being sent out into the garden to image God, to represent God, to be a blessing, to work the garden, to care for and name the animals, to reflect God to one another in perfect relationship. And so in our In our circle here we're going to draw man and woman and they had a good relationship to the world around them they had a good relationship to one another and they had a good relationship with God and it was created for good so the way that we related to the world around us was to be a blessing the way that we related to one another was to be a blessing the way that we related to God was to be a mutual blessing and but we know that the world is damaged Something happened to move us from here to here. When given a choice (laughs) in this perfect environment, when given a choice, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they moved away from God's good design. It was clear they had a choice. God had said what is good, And he had said explicitly what was not good. Do not eat from this particular tree. They moved away from God's good design to pursue their own definitions of what is good and evil in order to serve themselves. Now we know in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 how this damaged their relationship with God. It damaged their relationship with one another. And it damaged the world around them and their relationship with the world around them. We see that in the consequences. So we see that Adam and the way that he related to the world, the world was meant to be a blessing to him. The environment, the trees, the plants, the animals were meant to give him food and shelter. They were a blessing to Adam and Adam was meant to be a blessing to the world around him as well but we see in the consequences of his choices of his sin that that relationship is now broken. And the way that he works is damaged. The way that he works damages the world as well. And so the relationship with the world around him is broken, but we also see the relationship between man and woman is broken. We see that in the consequences in Genesis chapter three, where the woman's desire will turn to her husband, but he will rule over her. That speaks true it speaks true in the um, in all of the um, in all of the headlines that you read, even just this year of the damage in the relationship between um between people, and in particular, the beautiful relationship that's meant to be between men and women. It's broken. It's damaged. These relationships were created for good and to be a blessing, but they're damaged by evil. The relationship that humans have with God. Damaged. No longer could they dwell in the presence of God because of rebellion, because of choosing their own selfish ambitions that ultimately became their own selfish destruction. They could no longer live in the perfect presence of God, and our relationship with him is damaged. It's no longer a blessing. We no longer bless him, and we no longer enjoy the blessings and perfect relationship with God. So when we read the Bible and all these complicated, messy things that we see in the Old Testament, this is what we're reading. The world is damaged by evil. So just in the book of Genesis, shortly after Adam and Eve leave the garden, we have their two sons, Cain and Abel, the first murder, Cain, kills his brother. Shortly after Cain, um, we have a man named Lamech, who is also a murderer, who took him to himself two wives. And when you, when you read that section, too often it's just too easy to um, move past it. Like, oh man, this world is so messed up. And you read these two names of his wives and you're just like, oh, that's another foreign sounding name. And you move on. The names of the women are Ada and Zilla. Ada means ornament. Zilla means shadow. The world is damaged by evil. Men and women no longer relate to each other in perfect partnership and unity as what we saw was originally designed for good. Now, as we continue reading in the Old Testament, we see design patterns of people rejecting God's good design and pursuing their own selfish ambition and ultimately their own selfish destruction. But we also see a design pattern for salvation. Yeah? So what I told you about how God revealed about himself, about his character in the book of Exodus, that is repeated over and over again. So he is compassionate, slow to anger, Gracious, forgives sin of of those who have committed rebellion and sin and atrocities over and over again, and that is his character. And these design patterns we see of Noah, who is brought up and rescued, Abraham, who is brought up out of his home to begin a new people, we see the Exodus where the people of God are brought up out of slavery in Egypt, and we see them, even in the midst of this exodus, turn away from God at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And even then, when they repent and believe and turn back to God, He forgives them. And they are still His people over and over and over again. When the people of God reject Him, He forgives them. Even when they're in the promised land. And there's, there's a story of a Levite who takes a concubine, chops up her body, and sends it through, through the nation of Israel to make a point. The world is broken and damaged by evil. And that is the message of the Bible up until we get to the Gospels. So as you're reading the Bible and it feels hard and it's hard to read, know that's what's going on. And when you read Judges and it's messy and yucky and the people are all living for themselves, just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that this is behavior that God condones. It's a reflection of the mess around us. It's not too different from the mess that we see on our news feeds. So let's move to the good news. The good news, yeah, Alan's ready. Let's move to the good news. And so the good news is that God could not allow his good creation, his good world, his very good humans that he made to remain damaged by evil. And turn to Mark chapter 1. Someone read aloud Mark 1, verse 15.
1: The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news.
0: So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he comes and he's, the message that he has is the kingdom of God has come to you. <laughs> Repent and believe. So into this broken world, God comes as a baby, so small and fragile and he grows up and he experiences the damaged world. It's effects on our systems, on our relationships, on people's relationship with God, and what they think about themselves and how they relate to each other. He's in the thick of it. And in this world, Jesus comes, and the death that we are dying, the consequences of our sin and rebellion, the death that we are dying because of our rebellion, because of our self-destruction, And destruction that we are participating in. In the systems, in the brokenness, in relationships. None of us are righteous. None of us are without blame. He comes in and he dies the death that we ourselves are meant to be dying. (coughs) So that we can live. He dies that death, he so that we can live. And he comes alive so that we can live. So that we can live the abundant, good, very good design that God initially intended for us. That is good news. Ooh. That is the only that is only possible through the death and resurrection. Of Jesus in the Gospels. So stop going in the direction of death. Stop participating in damaging relationships, damaging the world around you. Stop moving away from God. Stop participating in evil. Repent and believe the Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, God became human and lived with us and invited us to join his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, new creation. The way, the truth, the life, as our AFES doctrinal statement says, it sums it up in that we have redemption from the guilt, penalty, and power of sin only through the sacrificial death as our representative and substitute of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. So all of this is made possible because Jesus died the death that we ourselves deserved, that we were dying. And he came alive so that we may be alive and live the life that God intended. So to complete this picture here, we'll put our people. And through this, through God coming and Jesus dying, and redeeming us and restoring us to himself, we are able to have a right relationship with God. We are able to have a right relationship with one another. And we're able to have a right relationship to the world around us. But the world that he came into was damaged by evil. This is the four Gospels. The four Gospels are good news. So often when when I did an evangelism course in uni, or like when I was in high school and we did evangelism courses and in uni, um, we were told to memorize verses from the book of Romans. If you want to share the gospel with someone, memorize these verses from the book of Romans, and that'll get them into the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Um, That works if the person you're talking to grew up going to Sunday school and already has a really good idea of who Jesus is and what he did. Um, But you cannot have the kingdom of God without Jesus. So we know who Jesus is through the four gospels the good news. And the word gospel is not unique to our religion. The word gospel is actually a political word used in the Roman society around them. So before Christ was born, as the Roman empire was expanding and spreading to new areas, Caesar Augustus was conquering new lands And once these lands were conquered, he would send messengers out ahead of him before he arrived and could receive all the glory and all the praise by the crowds. He would send messengers out ahead of him. And these messengers would proclaim, Peace to the world. The Roman emperor, the Caesar, has brought world peace. And actually use this phrase, Caesar is Lord and savior and so if jesus has come to this earth that is damaged by evil and he has come into the world proclaiming good news of the kingdom of god inviting people like in the old testament the people of israel they were to be a kingdom of priests a holy nation and if god is extending that to everyone now Extending the kingdom to all people. That is radical. That is revolutionary. And that is good news. No wonder they killed him. It's radical. It demolishes their self-ambition and turns the world completely upside down. One Lord and Savior conquers through war the other through his death. One Lord and savior brings peace through the death of soldiers and the servitude of civilians and the other brings peace through his own death on a cross, like a lowly runaway slave. Now, when Paul brings this good news, into Ephesus, turn to Acts chapter 19. So as Paul comes to Ephesus, he's just left Corinth. He has Priscilla and Aquila with him, and they're going to start planning churches in Ephesus. In verse 8, we read, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them and took the disciples with him and had discussions daily at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And then down to verse 23, about that time, There was a disturbance about the way. Jesus doesn't leave you at the cross. The kingdom of God doesn't stay at the cross. Jesus rose again. He ascended and he is enthroned as king. You are invited into the way of Jesus. You are invited into the kingdom of priests, the holy nation, to be citizens of the kingdom of God, wherever you are, because God now dwells with us in his spirit. So those who repent of participating in the damage and evil in the world and believe that God sent Jesus to rescue us and restore us to a right relationship, that we can once again bear his image to one another and the world around us to be a blessing, to give life, to deliver from the bondage of evil, to bring the good news of salvation in and through Jesus. That's the rest of the Bible, the New Testament, the letters from Paul and the apostles. And so this brings us to our fourth image on the board. Here we have the cross. And in this image, we have depicted that Jesus, through his death and resurrection and ascension and ruling as king, has made it possible to have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with one another, a community a nation of holy priests, a community of other people who are part of this kingdom of God, this family of God. But he doesn't leave us in the four walls of the church. He sends us out into this broken and damaged by evil world to be ambassadors, agents of his kingdom ambassadors of his way um to bring the restoration message of the good news of god coming into the damaged world and sending jesus to bring redemption and restoration this is often a missing piece of the puzzle when you see um gospel demonstrations that often they will take you from here straight to heaven (laughs) But this is the rest of the New Testament. It doesn't stop at the four Gospels. It goes on to show us how to live in the way. And so he doesn't leave us alone. We have the Spirit who dwells with us. We are in right relationship with God. He's given us a community of other people to be sent out together, not on our own, but to be sent out together to be ambassadors and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, when people, if you were to share this with people, a lot of times your friends might recognize that the world is damaged by evil, and they look at this as a solution to fix the problem of the damage by evil, and they wanna be part of the solution. That excites them, gives them a purpose, but, they want to be part of the solution, but why do they need Jesus? I'm putting that question to you. Why can't they do this without Jesus?
2: Because Jesus is the one that restores that relationship with each other and with God. Not, we don't do that.
1: Without Jesus, they are the problem. That's exactly it.
0: They're part of the problem! <laughs> They can't be the solution if they're part of the problem. They need Jesus to come and restore right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, and a right relationship to the world around us. And so you cannot, if they want to go this way, they can't. They're part of the problem. So people need to move from the damaged world through Jesus, into this kingdom of god movement where jesus is working in and through his people to restore all things to himself Oh, well, oh i forgot to write this one restored for good and then this one is sent out to restore so can you think of any examples of people of God who have gone out and brought the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them, and what impact that gospel has had on those communities? Josie Chaffer. Who?
1: <laughs> working
0: in India. Okay, is that someone who's currently alive, yeah? And what impact is that movement having on those communities?
1: that it's up centers for women to gain basic skills to work, schools for children, basic health care, and hope, most of all.
0: Yeah, and are those, are those communities reflecting a restoration mm-hmm. of re- right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, right relationship with the world around us? Mm-hmm. What other examples through history, church history, or current people of God moving out, bringing the good news of Jesus?
2: Well, you hear of um, uh, tribes and stuff that are like cannibalistic and always like fighting each other, and you know, sending like this. Like one of the tribes had like this thing where they sent um, their own child to the other tribe they were warring with to like um, reconcile and so they'll stop fighting, but like that child would probably die or whatever. And so then this missionary came and told him the good news and said that Jesus is the one that he's the, he's the the child the one that's sent out to reconcile us to God. And they stopped being like cannibalistic, stopped fighting and stopped. And they came to God, like the whole tribe did. So, and now they're like, you know, so much better off. There's so much less killing and violence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So valuing of life, valuing of humans, Mm -hmm. um, ultimately beginning with that right relationship with god mm. that then spreads out and transforms <coughs> people's lives that then moves out and transforms entire communities mm. yep what else
1: i listened to a podcast uh christianity today podcast the other day about um chinese family planning and how just um sorry to bring up a uh, a contentious issue but abortion is just like Everyone just in China because of the one-child policy, mm. um, and and China's recently um, allowed families to have three children because they're worried about. Um, but some people in the church, and not many, uh, have been very vocal about um, preserving life um, counterculturally, mm. and it's now starting to seep out into the rest of the church, mm. the gospel implications. And the, the gospel mindset of, of uh, um, valuing life, um, which is just remarkable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the good news transforms and has impacts on nations even. Yeah. There are plenty of stories that people can say that um, missionaries going out into unreached areas um did some very unhelpful things in the countries that they went out to. But often as they're bringing the gospel and they're showing people God through his revealed word and his written word, they're creating language in those communities. They're creating education so that people can read God's word for themselves. They're creating um, opportunities for people to hear the good news, to be restored to right relationship with God. Relationships are healed, people are sent out, and those communities are being transformed in many ways for good. Um, but but even even within the church, we're not blind to it. There is brokenness. Jesus even warned of us of this. He said that there would be wolves in sheep's clothing. He warned us that there would be tares sown among the wheat. Some people might point to the Crusades. Some people might um, point to child molestation charges in today's churches. <coughs> um, between men and women in the church, there was a young man earlier this year who, who's the, the um, son of a Southern Baptist preacher in Atlanta who went on a killing spree, killing women, because he had grown to have this twisted way of understanding that women were the problem that women were the enemy, and that women were to be eliminated so that he didn't sin. The world is damaged. The world is broken. And, but we are agents of what God is inviting us into, and it is good news story of the Bible. And as we read it, and as we read the New Testament, he is proclaiming a world that looks like this. where Adam and Eve were created, man and woman, both made in the image of God, both commissioned and sent out to reflect Him to the world in perfect unity and partnership, rather than fear and distrust and seeing each other as the enemy. And it's been thousands of years, and we haven't got it perfect, but ultimately, the Bible reveals that Jesus will come back and he will restore all things to himself. That's good news. It's not sterile. It's not boring. If you were to share the good news with someone and and um, tell them about Jesus coming into the broken world and what he did on the cross and then say... And then, if you believe this, you get to go to heaven when you die i've shared this with plenty of people, and that does not excite them to be honest, because what happens between between the I repent and believe and what happens after i die there's this massive chasm, and we're doing people an an injustice if we don't walk people through the rest of what the good news says of living in jesus's way being transformed by the gospel being sent out as agents of god's kingdom to restore um, the world to him through him through the holy spirit dwelling in us and using us through the resources of being in community and not on our own but with the church moving forward together And how that impacts communities as people are restored to right relationship with God, restored to right relationship with each other and the world around them. That's good news. And when Jesus comes, he will bring it all together and perfect it all. And the city of God will come down to earth, a perfect marriage of heaven and earth. And Jesus will rule and reign and This is what we have to look forward to, the new creation, the new heavens, and the new earth. That is good news, and that's the story of your Bible. So as you're reading it with your friends and as you're leading a Bible study, keep this in mind, because it is good news, yeah? Um, Josh, can I get you to pray for us?
1: Father God thank you for what we've been able to see in your word today thank you for how Christine spoken about the grand plan that you had from the start to bring about our reconciliation with you and then to equip us and send us out so we can bring in more father thank you for making us your children And I pray that through what we've heard today, we would be better equipped to speak to those who don't yet know you or who those are are questioning or even those who are still young in the faith. help us, God, to keep asking questions and to keep learning and to keep growing and to bring this into our hearts as we look to see how we can follow you better every day. I thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit to do this with as your children. Father, thank you for what we've been able to learn. and I pray that we would be growing in wisdom and in strength through this. In Jesus' name, Amen.